is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part one with Matt Lenz, we touch on everything from magic to Broadway. He talks about some early lessons learned and much, much more. So I hope you enjoy this first part of our conversation on Entertainment X. Keep on keeping on. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Matt Lenz. Matt, thank you for joining me today. Hi, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is this is an exciting conversation. Uh, I, I feel like our paths have kind of winded like many theater people. I've heard your name peripherally. I've seen you before. You know, it's like this fun kind of like twisting community of people. So it's nice to finally sit down and have you on the show. Likewise, likewise. I, you're, you're like the, you know, the friend that I didn't know even I had, but <laughs> as soon as I heard from you, I was like, I know him somehow. So maybe so, we'll figure it out in the next few minutes. The, yeah, it'll all connect, right? <laughs> yes. It always does. Uh, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for Matt Lenz. What were your wow. theater dreams growing up? Well, gosh, you know, I started out as a magician. I was Magic Matt. Uh, I got a magic set and, you know, I don't know, five or six years old, I guess. And I really got into it and uh, took a lot of lessons, private lessons. And I, I really took it very seriously yeah. and did that up until about the time I was, I guess, 13 or so. Um, and uh, then I did a summer theater camp and I was like, wow, this is way more fun than practicing in your room by yourself in front of a mirror all day, you know? Yeah. So, um, and my first, like literally my first scene partner in the first play I ever did was Joe Mantello. Um, I grew up with a bunch of theater people in Rockford, Illinois, Joe Mantello, Marin Maisie, um, a whole bunch of great people. And, um, oh and Joe is my first scene partner in a little show called Storyland USA. And I was a boy who got locked in the library and he played Huck Finn. Oh my goodness. What Came was, life. I have to ask going back for a second to magic. Did you have inspirations of certain magicians growing up? Were there certain ones? Yeah. I mean, I'm old enough now. It was like Mark Wilson was, okay. um, you know, uh, and, and then I really, because I really did take it seriously. I got into a lot of those people that were lesser known people like Albert Goshman, who were, you know, the, the sort of premier, um, tabletop magic people. And they were just amazing. And there was there was a there's a international club of magicians that you can join and you can take classes from these people. And we were close enough to Chicago. And then there were sometimes they'd come to our little magic shop in Rockford. And, um, you know, we could take these very private, you know, things where they'd teach you the the techniques and stuff. But Did, um, one final question. This is funny. I'm asking so many yeah. questions about magic. Did you prefer uh, cards over, I don't know, disappearing tricks or any certain genre of magic? I did. You know, I mean, the reality was like card tricks you could master, you know, without spending thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, you know, I went to see David Copperfield and people like that, you know, who I mean, they literally, you know, it's forty five thousand dollars back in the late 70s or early 80s for one of those illusions. So, oh, yeah. you know, but the the coin magic and, um, you know, tabletop magic, we call it, you know, or called it, you know, I couldn't do a trick if you, you know, had to save my <laughs> life now, you know. Um, but, but anyway, I was really into it. And then I found the theater and I was like, oh, wait, there are other people around other, you know, and it, I just found my, my world. You know? What did your parents teach you about work ethic growing up? Gosh, my father was a pharmacist. Um, and he, and both of my uncles owned, um, six pharmacies, lens pharmacies around Rockford, Illinois and loves park, Illinois. 
And so they worked hard. I mean, they, you know, they got up and opened those pharmacies and worked nine to nine, a lot of days. And, um, and I worked in the, at the, you know, my first jobs were, you know, at the cash register at, you know, checking people out and stuff from, you know, my middle teens or whatever. And, um, um, but, you know, I very sort of Midwestern kind of stock, you know, um, you know, uh, the customer's always right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what was the... That's a hard one sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Isn't that, it's like carved on a rock in front of the Walmart headquarters, isn't it? It's like rule number one, <laughs> customer's always right. Rule number two, see rule number one or something like that. It, that's probably <laughs> right. That sounds exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. wh- when did you decide to really take theater seriously and the part two to that or b question to that is what was the the balance between performing to directing yeah well you know i there was a regional theater in my hometown there were also uh all of the high schools had very good um performing arts programs um god i long for those days um Sorry, if you hear a little squeaking, that's my dog playing with a toy in the other room. So I apologize. (laughs) Um, But we had a a, a professional theater in town, community theater. And again, people like Joe Mantello and um, Linda Wallum, who went on to create Nurse Jackie and that 70s show and all. And um, Maren Maisie and Bob Greenblatt, who ran, Mm -hmm. you know, NBC until just a year ago. Um, You know, a lot of really uh, uh, talented, but also serious minded um, theater kids grew up. So we all took it really seriously and got to do it together and separately at our own high schools and all of that. Um, but it really was a, a very nurturing um, uh, environment. So, you know, I, I followed theater through college. I did, I went to Wagner College, um, you know, and, and studied there. They did lots of, it was a musical theater-based program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Circle in the Square when I got out of there um, and, you know, pursued uh, performing for, uh, you know, quite a while, a few years after that. But I always knew I wanted to direct. Mm. And I started directing showcases, you know, back in the 80s, you know, and um, you the only way to get an agent was for them to come see you in something. And so we had to kind of self-produce. I mean, I guess it's not that different now, except you can send your reel around, you right. know, but um <laughs> But, you know, we would self-produce things so that we could uh, invite, have something to invite agents to. And, um, you know, I directed a few of those and I just really liked it. It felt comfortable to me. And as an actor, I had found myself working with some great directors, but also some really bad ones and very um, contrary, uh, you know, negative kind of um, environments. And I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. Mm. Um I ended up doing Vampire Lesbians of Sodom off-Broadway for almost two years, the last two years of the run, Mm. and worked with a lot of great people. You know, a lot of those Charles Bush Theater in Limbo people would come back and do cover vacations, and, you know, we're still in it. And, you know, it was a very tight-knit kind of cool community. But it was my first sort of experience in a really long-running show and having, as an actor, to do something, do the same thing over and over again, eight shows a week. And I was like this is hard and not as, and to me, not as fun or fulfilling as the rehearsal period and those first few months of discovery where you're still figuring it out. You know, once you sort of get into that groove and then new people would come into the show and they'd have to, you know, you'd have to sort of regiment, you know, your show. It was a, it was an interesting lesson for me, which led me more in the direction of uh, directing. 
you know, mm -hmm. really, because I thought I love the creative process, not so much just getting up and doing it over and over and over again. And that was the goal, you know, at the time, like if you can get in something for a long time, mm -hmm. do it, you know, hold on to that job. Right. And I thought, hmm, OK, um, this. What were some of the qualities that you I guess, emulate or love about some of the directors you started working with from early on? Were there certain traits that you were like, I'm taking that, 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 that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I always felt you, you know, you get more, you know, um, bees with honey, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. And I feel like that, you know, in order for people to do their best work, they have to feel secure and um, feel, uh, you know, feel trusted and feel uh, comfortable, safe. Um, and so, you know, I, I always knew as an actor that I did my best work, or I think I did, when I could create and throw good ideas out there and bad ideas and try stuff and not feel chastised right. for any of it, you know. And, um, and so uh, that really was... I, I think, you know, again, I had a couple of experiences that were just, I thought that wasn't fun at all. <laughs> like I did, I got into theater to be, you know, to have a, a good time and to right. enjoy the creativity part of it, you know? Um, and uh, so I really think that that's, that's it. You know, you, as a director, you really have a lot of control over the environment yeah. um, and how that's going to go. And um um, you know, it's one of the, I mean, frankly, it's, you know, why I early on and, you know, 10 years before we ever met, I was, I had my focuses on Jack O'Brien. Mm. Um, you know, I, I knew who Jack was. I'd actually met him when I was an actor auditioning for a show at the Old Globe. And I had such a warm, lovely audition experience with him. But I wrote him a letter. Um, there was no email yeah. back at the, you know, I wrote him a letter and he wrote me back. What'd you say? You know, what'd you write? I wrote, thank you so much for a wonderful, um, experience for, a you know, for giving, you know, giving me the attention, giving me the time in the room, paying, you know, and giving me some really helpful, honest feedback. I didn't get the job, hmm. but I had a, I learned something and, and then, you know, years. So he was on my radar and, you know, the old globe and all of that. And, uh, and then I started seeing, you know, his work in New York and I was like, he's, he's great. And then I did get to meet him socially. We got to know each other a little bit. And then of course he, uh, you know, and, and we almost, we had a near miss. I almost worked with him on full Monty, uh, but I was working with Disney at the time. And, um, but then hairspray happened yeah. and, you know, he said, I'm doing this thing called hairspray with Harvey Firestein. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know why they hired me, but we're, you know, if you want to, yeah, and so we started doing readings and, you know, the rest is history on that. But I just adore his, the, he works with such joy and humor and respect and love and intelligence. Um, and so it's been great over, you know, now, I don't know how many projects, many, you know, and a few that haven't seen the light of day, you know, right. we've done workshops and stuff that haven't even, but I, you know, after all these years now, 20 years, I guess, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, I still love being in the room with him. And I, th I, I dare I say now we learn from each other too. Yeah. yeah. What was this, what was the journey? I'm just curious if you're willing to divulge a little bit, the journey of the relationship between the two of you guys, was this a, Hey, can I sit in on a few projects conversation or was it him saying, Hey, have you really, you know, thought about directing more and more? What was that kind of journey? 
Yeah, well, he, I, I had reached out to him a couple of times as, mm. uh, as I was pursuing directing. And um, this was right around the time that he was doing Damn Yankees on, um, on Broadway, the revival. And uh, uh, at the time, my, my partner was the publicist for the show. And so, you know, I got to see it a couple of times, including like the Gypsy run through and stuff. And I met Jack briefly um, then, but I had been in communication with him. And, and um, uh, when actually the, I mean, we had met a couple of times socially, but then when I actually got to know him, it was sort of a random, it was the, the weekend before Christmas. Um, my partner, uh, Michael Hartman at the time, um, and I went up to Lindsay Law's house up in Connecticut. And Lindsay was the producer of the Full Monty and they were, um, Full Monty had just opened on Broadway. And, uh, and my, um, my brother had passed away that year and Jack's partner had passed away that year. And so it was a, it was an interesting, weird Christmas for the two of us. And, you know, the, honestly, the, the working together never came up. I don't know if we actually ever discussed the fact that I was a director. I was uh, working as the assistant director, a resident director on Beauty and the Beast on Broadway at the time. But we had some amazing conversations that weekend, just the two of us. And we took some walks and talking about loss and, you know, what that means. And um, a couple of weeks later, Lindsay called me and asked if I would be interested in being, you know, Jack's associate on uh, the London production of, of um, Full Monty. And anyway, a long story that didn't end up work out work working out. And I was working for Disney at the time, right. but he said, the next dance is yours. And so, you know, we, the first time we really got together to talk about working together, um, you know, I, I knew it was, it was as much a matter of, he could see that I had some experience and I kind of, you know, knew my way around a little bit, mm. but you know, a lot of it is just, how do you, do you enjoy being together? you spend a lot of time sitting very close with each other. Yeah. And, um, and also, you know, it's, I think the best associates and the best colleagues are just ones that sort of, you know, they get your vibe, they get your sensibility, they kind of know what you're going for. Right. And Jack is so eloquent and so clever and witty sometimes mm -hmm. that, you know, he has a, a way of phrasing things that I've been called the Jack whisperer sometimes because actors would come up to me and afterwards and go like, that was amazing what he said to me, but what did he mean? <laughs> like, what was, what did he, what was he really saying? You know, I thought, well, he, this is what he meant. And the, you know, um, but again, it was so entertaining in his note sessions that, you know, no, you know, if a couple of the things were over people's heads, you know, I'd be like, okay, this is how he, you know, I'd interpret it for them. But, um, but he also said to me really early on, um, you know, I, what's the use of having you in the room if I'm not going to hear what you have to say? You know, I'm surrounding myself with people I trust. Mm. I want to hear what you have to say, um, you know, and uh, and I also knew when to shut my mouth. You know, mm. I knew that, you know, as an associate, um, you know, it was his ship to steer. Um, but I also, you know, he very much allowed, um, you know, um, contribution. And, and um, you know, so uh, so we've had a great time. I mean, it's mm. been you know, I mean, how many, I mean, so many productions of Hairspray I did, you know, all around the world and yeah. um, then Catch Me If You Can and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and um, I'm still working on this Sound of Music um, tour that we put together together. And, yeah. you know, so 
there's very much, I mean, it's just, it's grown. We're great friends. We've traveled around the world together, not only for work, but, you know, we've gone to vacations in Greece and um, Italy and Mexico, yeah. <laughs> you know, I so. Love it. Do you, was there yeah. any um, aha moments for you in the room, you know, working with him or any other time? I mean, it doesn't just have to be, you know, with Jack that you had as a director or even as, you know, the associate, some like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, one definitely was you don't have to know every answer to everything all the time, mm. you know. And I think a lot of, I know I, as a young director, um, you know, was always concerned that if somebody asked me a question that I had to have the answer, that I had to have the right answer, you know, right. and that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself in a, in a, in, in something that's, uh, you know, evolving or blossoming, you know, mm -hmm. you kind of, and so the, I, one of the hardest things ironically is to say, I don't know, right. you know, because you also want to make sure that you have the confidence of the room. You know, so you want to certainly have everybody, you know, but, but saying, I don't know, let's figure it out together. Or, you know what, I don't know yet, but I, I guarantee you that we'll figure something out or I'll yeah. come, you know, will it will, it will, um, uh, you know, it, it will come become clear. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that was definitely one, one aha to me, like, Oh, what a relief. <laughs> like you don't have to know every answer to every question before the first day of rehearsal, you know? Yeah. Um, and also that, you know, I've had the great fortune of working with some, I mean, you know, amazingly famous and <laughs> celebrated, you know, writers and composers and directors and choreographers and lighting designers and all of that. Um, and, uh, um, you know, they're, they're definitely, I mean, there is definitely an, um, an element of inspiration and divine kind of magic, I think, to many of these people. But there's also just a lot of hard work. There's a lot of persistence and stick-to-itiveness mm -hmm. and um, focus. And so, you know, you think about these geniuses, you know, or, you know, I used to just put everybody who had ever been nominated for a Tony Award on a, this pedestal, like, they're a genius. I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if I have that magical thing. Right. But then you realize you get in the room with people and they're just figuring it out too, hmm. you know. Um, and they're, so in a way, that's comforting. Yes. You know, you think, I didn't have to be born Bob Fosse or Agnes DeMille or, <laughs> you know, or Gershwin, <laughs> you know, exactly. You know, and you're like, well, that's I'm screwed. I wasn't, you know, <laughs> you know, so I mean, obviously talent, persistence, intelligence, oh, yeah. you know, sensitivity, all of that, you know, there's a lot right. that works in your favor, but there's a lot that you can be in control of. Mm. It doesn't have to be some mystical element of, you know, of genius, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, no, thank you for adding, you know, sharing that. I am um, turning gears slightly. What was the journey to joining the Disney theatrical family. What was that conversation? How did that come about to Beauty and the yeah. Beast? Yeah. Well, it was really early on too. I mean, I joined Beauty and the Beast as the assistant director r right about a month after the show opened on Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, and they were already making plans for um, uh, to do, I think, seven 
first class productions around the world, including the US tour, Toronto, Los Angeles, Tokyo, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's like we're seven that they were already lining up, you know, you know, I mean, Disney was like, okay, if we're doing this, we're going worldwide and we're doing it within a year and a half. Oh my goodness. So they were staffing up and I was one of those people and um, a guy named Keith Batten, who's uh, still a great, great friend, um, was the associate. Keith had been doing a bunch of um, the Cameron McIntosh stuff in Canada. Mm -hmm. And so he had, you know, had a lot of already associate remount, you know, um, experience. Yeah. Anyway, but I so I sent a letter to Rob Roth when I, you know, I was I was considering going back to grad school or um, getting a great assistant job. I thought, you know. I'll, I'll learn my, you know, I want to do big Broadway musicals and I, there's a lot more I need to know. So anyway, I wrote to Rob, he called me the next day. I left a letter at the palace theater, called me. And, um, I remember meeting him. He's, and, you know, we had a great conversation in the lobby of the palace and he's, you know, he called me a couple of days later and said, I'd love for you to, you know, work with me. And like I said, we got to work really fast planning all of these productions. Um, and I really focused on, uh, I, I worked um, on the remount in Toronto, Los Angeles and the US tours um, while Keith went and did like Vienna and Japan and you know, all of that. But Disney theatrical was very, very, very new at that time. This was before Tom Schumacher and Peter Schneider were there even. Yeah. Um, there was a guy named Bob McTire and the Dodgers were actually general managing the show so they you know so it was yeah i want to say there were like 12 of us or something that were in that office and um you know uh it was so i was their first assistant director (laughs) you know now it's like the greatest training i mean it's the greatest thing in the world for young emerging directors to you know but that but it's also very much like this is what the resident director does this is you know it's very much a career kind of defined track and category and job thing at that we were making it all up at the time yeah what was this okay so i i do have to ask was it because of your letter that he called you in of course it was but what was the balance with did had keith said something or was again i'm curious what was in that letter was there something in particular that really got his ear to be like i'm gonna have this guy meet tomorrow Gosh, I, you know what? I, I, that's a great question. And I, I don't know. Um, it actually was a letter again, a hand delivered, handwritten thing, you know? Um, uh, I think I might've had like a word processor at the time. This was 94. Um, so it might've been on a word processor, (laughs) um, but, uh, um, you know, I, my guess is it had to do with enthusiasm, Yeah. you know? And, um, I was, this was also, around the time that I had just finished doing um, uh, 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 Vampire Lesbians and I was working part-time for Shirley Hers, the press agent, yeah. um, while I was auditioning and doing other stuff. And, um, and so I, I, had a, I, I, I was beginning to have this sort of working knowledge of the, you know, the theater and the Broadway community and all of that. And I, I, I think that probably appealed to him too, that I, I was you know, I had a little bit of insider stuff. Um, um, but I would guess probably my enthusiasm, you know, which to this day, when I, you know, surround people or, you know, surround myself with uh, assistants and associates and stuff, I, you know, the, and actors and other creators and designers and stuff, you know, it seemed Mm. to me, um, 
enthusiasm ranks really high up yeah. there, you know, in terms of like being in the room, you know, cause it's not always easy. So, you know, you want to yeah. make sure somebody's excited about it to begin <laughs> with, you know, at least you're excited uh, now. Yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, is there a particular show that taught you the most or a lot about yourself? Wow. Yeah. Um, gosh, that's a great question. Um, you know, my immediate response, whether or not, you know, I, I, even as I answer, I'll probably think of something else, but catch me if you can was interesting. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, a real challenge that putting that show together was a real challenge. And, and it was my second show with Jack. And so yeah. I was, um, feeling more, um, you know, I earned a certain level of confidence with him and, you know, we, we knew each other well. And so we were leaning. Um, I mean, he was leaning more heavily. And again, I mean, Hairspray came together in such a magical kind of almost easy way, dare I say, you know, it just happened beautifully and everybody had a ball doing it. And it just, we were all, I mean, we knew we were having fun and we knew we were enjoying it. Mm. We didn't know that it would be that you know, you never know, right? Yeah. You can, I mean, how often does that happen? You all sit in the room loving on something and then wait, everybody no hates it. Likes it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Catch Me was challenging for lots of reasons, um, you know, um, just creatively. And I learned a lot about um, my own, like, how would I answer this question? How mm -hmm. would I solve this problem or this challenge, you know, story-wise and creatively? Um, Interestingly, after, so we did the show in Seattle and then we did it in New York. Um, you know, I thought it was, I still, I thought it was a beautiful show and I loved the score and there's so much wonderful, wonderful stuff about it. Mm. When we did the tour, I ended up doing the tour and it went, um, um, and everybody else was, you know, all the creatives, Jack and Jerry and everybody were all doing other things. And so I kind of really got to do it. Yeah. And, and I dealt with Terrence McNally, um, you know, about there was a, there was stuff from Seattle that had been removed for Broadway. And it was really the I, I felt like the real grit of the piece, a lot of the dad stuff. Yeah. And um, and we put that a lot of back in. And, and I, you know, and I got, I got Terrence's permission to sort of go back to that book and put stuff back in and reorder stuff, because that was going to be the script that got published or licensed. Yeah. Yeah. And Terrence, with his blessing, I did that, and he he you know signed off on on it, and then I did the tour, and I felt like I solved a few things, you know, that yeah. were problematic, uh, you know, that had been problematic on Broadway, but so the creatively that was a really interesting exercise, um, you know, you learn a lot about yourself too when you you know when um, you know you fail. And stuff. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and um, I don't know if it was a, a failure, but you know, I, I worked on um, Aida, the, the development for years with Rob mm. and then the creative teams were changed out after we did this out of town tryout in Atlanta. Um, and I learned a lot, um, you know, about just I, about the business and, you know, all of it. That was also mm. a really, um, that's a, a full chapter if I were ever to sit down and write a book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Was this yeah. another conversation on Aida? Was this more about the the book, the story, or was it more like a packaging for sales to have people come see it? Or was it a combination of like a, you know, like a branding kind of situation or what was that? 
maybe some I, of it. I, don't know. I think if I could like, you know, encapsulate what happened, I think, you know, we, this, the, the team that was working on Aida for the, those first three years of development, you know, was all the beauty and the beast team. Yeah. yeah. And I was Jack's, uh, uh, Rob's associate. And, um, um, and I think, you know, Tom Schumacher and, and Peter had different ideas about the aesthetic of it. Okay. Ultimately is what I think happened. We also had a very, very difficult tech period. Um, the, we, they had designed this hydraulic pyramid and we were at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta and this hydraulic pyramid, which was enormous, <laughs> would stall and stop and spew hydraulic fluid. And so it, the tech was excruciating. Yeah. And the opening night, it stalled. And there's Elton John and there's Tim Rice and Michael Eisner and, you know, this, that. I mean, just the starriest audience ever. And yeah. the thing, which is weighs like three tons, yeah. just stops in the middle of the stage spews hydraulic fluid which is like ice yeah. all over the stage and we had to bring in a drop and bring out 24 chairs or whatever it was and people you know we did a concert version of the show so there was a, there were circumstances beyond everyone's control that just also made it you know um you know a challenge so so that was you know in my mind it was like oh my god we're not going to get to um we're not going to get to sort of see this journey to the end because um, the mm. creative team was all replaced. And, um, but I did get to do Aida a couple of times. I did it twice at the Muni. Mm. Um, did, look, just a production that I was really proud of at the Muni um, why? with Will J. If I can ask why, uh, why so proud? Uh, it's just, it lived out there in such, yeah. I mean, the, you know, that big, huge outdoor space and there's something so epic about the show. Yeah. And we just had, you know, I don't know, 80 people dancing in it. And um, yeah. Simone was, was Aida and she had been, she had done one of the early workshops and was always, I just thought such a soulful, unbelievable. Um, and Ken Page was uh, the dad. And, um, you know, we just, it was a, it was just one of those magical, magical things. And the, the environment of the Muni lent itself to the sort of power of it. And I just remember it being, mm. you know, it, it was really great. So yeah. um, anyway, I got to sort of finish my little uh, Aida journey and get some, get some resolution. Get in some that. more points back. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, how have you gotten better at communicating? Gosh, um, you know, the, that's a, another great question. The, we deal in such nuance and, you know, you, we're often sort of trafficking in the, the variance of human emotion and the complications of all of that. So I've really made a concerted effort and, and Jack is a master of this. So I certainly learned from him the necessity to really say what you mean and make sure, you know, choose your words carefully um, and, and allow, um, allow questions. You know, a lot of people say, you know what I mean? And actors go, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know what you mean. And I was like, do you, it's okay to say no. Yeah. It's okay to say, I'm not quite, no, I'm not quite sure. You know? Yeah. Um, so I encourage that so that, you know, it's, it's, because 
you are trying to convey nuanced thought often. Um, and, and to me, that's the, the more nuanced the work, the richer the work. So how about, and I, you know, you might not have gotten, I mean, of course we all get better, but you were good at it at the beginning with asking, but how have you gotten better at asking questions? Um, yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's a good question. You, you're obviously good at asking questions. Um, Um, you know, asking questions within, you mean within the context of the work? Yeah. Like in, well, yeah. yeah. And also yeah. like these conversations, I mean, there's four or five, seven, eight, twelve 12 different conversations the director has. You're talking to the producers about a budget thing. You're talking to a designer who really doesn't want to cut. They're saying cut lights, cut sound, cut it from lights, you know, like those kind of things. Yes. And then you have actors yes. who are like, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Anything. So I'm curious, yeah. you know, asking questions, really trying to understand where everyone's coming from. Yes. Well, asking questions is also a great um, way of leading somebody to something. You know, asking yeah. questions when you know the answer is kind of a great yeah. technique. I don't think it's shady either. I just think it's yeah. it allows for, um, you know, people to come to their own answers. And, you know, oftentimes, sometimes you're hoping they'll come to the answer that you're, is the reason you're asking the question right. in the first place. Right, right. But it's but it's so much more powerful, and I feel like more um, uh, resilient if it if it uh, comes from their own, you know, if they come up with the answer, and and empowering in a way, and that tends to stick, you know. And you want information in you know in a rehearsal process when it's right, when it feels right, you want it to kind of stick. Yeah. add to, you know, kind of glom together. And so you're creating a, you know, a performance or a, you know, an arc or whatever, right? You want right. these series of questions and answers or things that happen in the pieces of information that come together in a rehearsal to kind of hold together on its own. so that it doesn't, yeah. you know, opening night comes and it doesn't all just kind of slowly disintegrate, you know, right. but I feel like it has sticking power if, if, you know, every, I mean, if it's only if it's truly understood, you know, and mm-hmm. if it's, and if the answers are truly under to come from yourself, sometimes they're, they're more resilient, you know, am I making any yes. sense? No, you're making complete <laughs> yeah. sense. It makes yeah. complete yeah. sense. I've seen yeah. this, I've seen it before, you know, telling yeah. you what I want you to do is different than asking, what do you think of X, Y, Z and you having the realization? Cause only when you have the decision for yourself, do you change, grow, adopt, whatever, you know, own and own it. Be, yeah. yeah. And it's it's gotta, it's gotta come from within. So that's, yes. that makes sense. You've been listening to entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow entertainment X on Instagram at underscore entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet go to Apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on entertainment X. Thank you for listening.